by the way. <laughs> Straight back from Tallahassee. The new weekend is here. Amazing weekend. Yeah, an absolute amazing weekend. If you kept up with the show, you know what that weekend consisted of. The Miami Hurricanes came all the way from Coral Gables up to <clears> Tallahassee <throat> to take on their hated rivals, the Florida <laughs> State Seminoles. Number four, man, it started off as looking like it was going to be a beat down, but things got a little better after that. Yeah, I was hoping for a good game. I, I did not want to see a beat down. I didn't want it to be like 24-3 at the half and look at my son and be like, you want to roll? Let's, you know, game's over. Yeah. Um, so props to the, to the Hurricanes. They fell behind early, but they hung in there. Um, they even – I thought they had the lead. Um, it looked like a safety. Yeah. And they never showed a good replay on the big screen, so I don't know <laughs> if it was or wasn't. Man. And I was I, – I looked for highlights on YouTube, but they don't show the, the safety – what could have been the safety play because it wasn't a scoring play. They don't show it. Or I haven't been able to see it. So I don't know if it was a a safety and the rest were on some bullshit. We know or, what the rest were on because or, there were some pretty bad calls out there as well. Missed calls, not being a Miami Hurricane fan, but being a college football fan or even a football fan. You saw some of those penalties that weren't called. There was a pass interference that wasn't called. But either way, before we even jump this off any further, man, give a little tribute to those Florida State Seminoles. They are still in number four. They will get their comeuppance eventually. But until then, they rule the roof for right now. Hey, we call the AWS Production presents Florida State for 2007. Not exactly this year, but hey, you still have the war champion. I'm going to need all my Seminoles to stand up. Stand up. Ready for this, ready for this. Bro, five, five, five. I bet they All right, that'll be that. <laughs> That's <laughs> enough of that for now, man. Come on, man. Get out of here. Woo, gave them their little tribute, man. But back to the game itself. It was an excellent game, excellent atmosphere. You came down with your son all the way from Chicago land, watching some southern style football. Not a lot of southern hospitality for you, but they weren't too hospitable to the damn Canes either, or neither one of the refs to the Canes or anybody else. Yeah, again, you know, as I was alluding to, we were, we were um, concerned it might not be a close game, but the Hurricanes stuck with it. And even when they got down two touchdowns, you know, they could have let go of the rope, but they scored even though it was on maybe a busted play on Florida State's fault. Miami still scored. You know, they took a shot, and the guy caught it and went, went the distance. And they had a shot at the end. They had the ball down seven, trying to go down and score. But your favorite quarterback came in and threw a pick. <laughs> Tyler Van Dyke. And he saw why he wasn't going to be the guy to start the game. They didn't make the announcement until before the game, obviously, that they were going to start the true freshman, Emory Williams, who started and won the Clemson game when Tyler Van Dyke was out with an injury. He's obviously the future of the Canes. And like as it goes with college football, he's not uh, – Emory Williams is a Mario Cristobal recruit. Mario Cristobal doesn't have any loyalty or doesn't have to have any loyalty to Tyler Van Dyke the way college football goes. He's a Manny Diaz guy, and it took him some time to get his opportunity to at least get to this point. But over the past few games, four games in particular, he had five touchdowns against ten interceptions. He had four multiple interception games in that time period, including two times in which he had three. So it was pretty apropos to end the game the way it ended last Saturday with him on the line looking to do something with that team, throwing the pick. Even if he didn't throw the pick, it was going to be tough for them to go. I think they were around the 40. Yeah. They're on 40 at that point. No timeouts. They still had 60 yards to go. It was under pressure. Nobody was open. He threw it to the one guy that was one-on-one. -on -one. And his guy didn't win the matchup. What are you gonna yeah, do? I, he threw it across his body, first of all. So that's probably one of the cardinal sins of college football, or even pro football, football, period. Don't throw it across your body. Either that, that or get sacked. And, 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 you know, you know, he was in a bad situation. He was in a bad situation to begin with. So, you know, I'm not going to go completely in on him. He threw the interception. What option did you have? It was fourth down. What else were you going to do? You know, you either throw an incomplete pass, you right. get the same result. 
You know, right. the way he passed interception, same result. And but the play calling was a problem for me with Miami. They were running the ball well, and then Florida State did make their adjustments and they did slow down the run. But then Miami still tried to run the ball when they probably should have been throwing a little more. They did give Emory a chance to throw the ball a little bit more, but the plays they were calling to throw the ball to this just wasn't working. And he was a little off himself being a true freshman, but oh man, the, the constant three straight downs of running up the middle, up the middle, up the middle. You know, Florida State adjusted it and made it happen. But on the other hand, Jordan Travis wasn't very impressive. And Keon Coleman coming back from the game he missed the day the week before, showing up not necessarily as a wide receiver, but he did show that he can still have an impact on the game, running the punt that really put them in position. And that might have been the big play of the game because um, you mentioned play calling. I was disappointed in Miami's play calling at the end of the half. They were down in the red zone, probably around the 13. They had a big play to, that got them down there. Yeah. Instead of taking a shot into the end zone, they ran it right into the middle. And <sighs> their play calling left a lot to be desired. They got to punch it in there. Um, they had trouble moving the ball most of the half, but Florida State only had 10 points. And at that point, it, it was 7-10. Florida State. And if they go up, they go into the half with momentum. It, it would have been damn near a miracle for them to come out um, leading at the half the way the, the, the game was going. As I mentioned, they couldn't move the ball. They were struggling. But yep. somehow, you know, they, they got a turnover. They got close and they scored. And then they were down there again. But they didn't go for it. They ended up kicking the field goal. They could end up Going tied to the half, 10-10. Yep. Um, that, that, that just, I think, um, you know, that the players probably felt a letdown. Like, man, if they go in 14-10, man, you, you know how, how confident they're, how, how high their confidence goes up after that? Like, man, we couldn't do nothing and we're still leading. Well, but you know what? I see that. Is different. I saw the confidence that they had just being able to make it 10-10 because the way it started off, and you look at the yardage, you saw how many yards that Florida State had, and Miami was stuck on like six yards forever, and then maybe 20-something yards forever, and it looked like, oh, man. Florida State what? couldn't run the ball too much either. Miami shut that run game down. That's why. It was Trey Benson coming out of the backfield that made the big play. But and then Jordan Travis, not really a special quarterback in my opinion anyway, and this isn't hitting against the Florida State Seminoles, if they have a great quarterback, like I called Jameis Winston when he was at Florida State, I'll call a great quarterback if they're there. But he's not that great quarterback. And it surprised me just the visual, the optics of seeing all of these people with Jordan Travis jerseys as if he's a Heisman Trophy candidate. I don't think he is. <laughs> it's a bit of homerism, of course, like I understand that. But he didn't play like a top player or a top quarterback or at least an elite quarterback. I think he's probably just as, in terms of the way he's doing things now, just as effective or just as accomplished, not accomplished, but doing just as much as Carson Beck right now, who's not, who hasn't had a breakout game until this past weekend, when at least the yards was big, but he still threw the two touchdowns and the one pick, but he has a supporting cast. But Florida State still wins the game, but I'm not going to be upset. This isn't a moral victory. Miami didn't come for a moral victory. They came here to win the game and they proved that they tried to win this game. They had every opportunity to win the game. They shut down the run. They uh, a true freshman. The future looks bright, even after the injury. You know, and now it's going to be another set of issues coming up with Tyler Van Dyke and the Jakari um, Brown maybe having the burnish red shirt, perhaps. But that's another story. But to lose last year in Coral Gables, forty-five to three, and then push the envelope in this game here shows the improvement from year to year. And I know people are going to kill Mario Cristobal. There has been a few things to kill him about this season. I don't believe this is one of them. I just think that the, the roster is better across the board, the offensive line in particular. Defensively, forget about it. Just Ruben Bain is just an absolute monster on that defensive line, getting after the quarterback, getting the three sacks in this game, more in other games. Uh, there's a lot to look forward to if you're a Canes fan, but Florida State, where do they go from here? Florida's an out-of-conference game, big rival game here in the state of Florida. I think it's in Gainesville this year. I, I'm looking from... Listening to some of these fans there, they were, I was surrounded like you were by Florida State fans, and as we should have been at Dope Campbell Stadium at Bobby Bowden Field. And I heard a number of them 
say, I wasn't surprised, but I was kind of surprised they were vocal about it and saying this team just can't hang with the top three teams. They can't hang with or they can't hang with them Georgia. They can't hang with Ohio State or Michigan. And they said even Bama, some of them. And I was like, I agree. I wasn't going to say it because all you would have got was hate, hate, hate. You hate and hate. You just lost. No, I've always believed that. Well, of late, but um, looking at them straight up, they don't have it. But be good. This uh, is a process. Yeah, I was going to say that my analysis of them, they did not look like the number four team in the in the nope. country. Um, but again, they're playing their heated rival, and Miami came in fired up. Uh, even though there was some suspect play calling, you know they they played with high intensity, and anything can happen in rivalry games. Um, you saying you don't want to kill Crystal Ball? I don't know if you could kill him, or people would have an opportunity to kill him, or have too much ammunition. Ammunition, but I think you can't criticize the play calling before the half. They they didn't even try to score. Like they just expected a, a guy to run 13 yards for the touchdown up the middle. That, that's not going to happen, more than likely, right? Yeah. Um, and then as to why they weren't passing so much. I think it was because when they did pass, uh, the passes were off. They were either short or behind the receivers. He just couldn't connect, whether it was timing or he, he just didn't have enough zip on his pass. I don't know what the situation was. But I saw a lot of guys diving for balls, reaching mm -hmm. back for balls. So it's hard to keep passing or, you know, you don't want to be second to ten to every possession. So you run the ball, try and get a couple yards. But Florida State was shutting it down. So they're ending up second and 10, second and 11, second and nine uh, often, which made it more difficult to pass. I was thinking um, getting the tight end involved a little bit more would have been helpful. I don't think they did enough of that. You know, and Shannon Dawson, the offensive coordinator, he, you know, I think Mario Cristobal is doing the delegation thing and doing it the true way. You hire this guy, you have confidence in this man, you let him do his job. You can oversee it as a head coach, but you let the offensive coordinator do the offensive coordinator's job. So I don't think that falls on Cristobal. And let the offensive coordinator take the blame if there's going to be blame to have, you know, to have. And, and that's what happened. I mean, now you said there was errant passes, I believe, too. There was a whole bunch of errant passes from a true freshman. But I can't keep using that as a qualifier, true freshman. That's the reason why he did this. Nah, he's no, he's a couple of games. Uh, I'm, I said that to say why they continue to run the ball every first down, every second down. Because when they did pass it, the passes were off for the most uh, part. I'm thinking more high percentage passes like a screen would have been a little bit more helpful, especially with the running backs being the way they were out there. The same way Trey Benson ran his big run off, got his pass and ran a big run, the, the Canes can do the same. They have running backs just as good. And if you want to take a little pressure off your young quarterback and take a little bit of pressure off the offensive line, which they weren't having many problems either. You know, offensive line was playing a whole lot better than I've seen previous years' offensive lines of the Canes. And they had every opportunity. I like the way things are going. You know, I don't want to try to find the silver lining, but I do see the the process. And this is mm -hmm. a second year, people forgetting in this microwave society we have with NIL and transfer portal. They want you to be great immediately. He's bringing in. This is just his second recruiting class. He has a third recruiting class mixed with the guys he already has. Things can be even better next year for Canes fans. As for Florida State, they're a lot further ahead than what the Canes are right now. Or are they really? After this game, we don't know. Is the ACC really not that good? That's why Florida State is giving more opportunity or giving more credence than they deserve. They did have that Boston College game earlier this year where it took 18 penalties by Boston College and over 100 yards of penalty yardage for Florida State to squeak that one out and a penalty at the end of the game. But anyway, kudos for Florida State for being able to beat Miami again. It's going to be in Coral Gables next year. I think there's going to be a, a different outcome to it. And it definitely is because I don't think Jordan Travis is going to be anymore. But let me just speak to the experience because if people are watching or listening to us, yeah, they may not want to hear our analysis of the game. They want to hear what was it like if they haven't been there before or if they're considering to go there. Yeah. I have, I have been to Nebraska. That's my team. I've been to Lincoln, Nebraska. I've been to Michigan State. I've been to Purdue. I've been to Notre Dame, and the game experience by far, the best one is Florida State, by far. It's not even close. 
Not even close. Even as a Nebraska fan, it's it doesn't compare. Now I haven't been to Nebraska recently. You know they do the fourth quarter thing with the light show and everything. Yeah. But how long does that last? That's two minutes. At Florida State, and it could be the the uh, opponent too. They're playing Miami. Yep. They're big rival. Eighty thousand, eighty thousand screaming fans. When that game was in doubt at the end, the ground—it's <laughs> not the ground. The stadium was shaking. I could feel it shaking, and everybody doing the tomahawk champ and, and chanting, and man, it was just an incredible, phenomenal experience. If you love college football and you want to go, you're not sure who should I go watch. Go to a Florida State game at least one time in your life. You will not regret it. Now, as far as Trav mentioned uh, Southern hospitality earlier, (laughs) now the, the nicest people anywhere are Nebraskans. Anywhere I've been, they the they don't compare. The people in Nebraska are so nice. They found out from Chicago and like they put an arm around me. Hey, we got to. I mean, it was amazingly nice, amazingly nice. People at Notre Dame. It could have been I was with friends and and my friend he tailgates often, so we were talking with like 25, 30 other people. Um, Michigan State though, we didn't know anybody. And we ended up tailgating with a bunch of other people around us. That did not happen at Florida State. Florida <laughs> nah. State if you're looking to to mingle with, with other people, other Florida State fans, you're really going to have to, like, force your way in. Because if you just try and, and talk and be nice, they kind of don't – they're not receptive to it. They'll, they'll, yeah. they'll greet you. They'll say hello, but they will not welcome you. So that's the only drawback. And then we did go out there the day before the game on Friday night. We went out there and with your son and you, and we saw that everyone looked the same. <laughs> Come on, we had yeah. to throw that out all, there. All the like, guys are dressed out there, man. Change your yeah, clothes. All, Everybody looked alike. <laughs> all of the guys were dressed alike. All of the girls were dressed alike. But not every single one, but I, I say a too good many. 75%. Yeah. <laughs> but too many of them together. You know, if you saw three girls, they're all wearing a white top with black shorts. And the big boots. You saw you saw four guys walking together. They all had the hat, uh, uh, gray shirt, and jeans. I mean, what the hell's going on here? <laughs> that's just, yo, bro. I'm seriously. That was what was going on. They almost all looked alike. Everybody was like a clone out there. Are those the same three people we just saw back there? Like, <laughs> hey. Yeah, but you know, that weather got us a little bit in the beginning, man. It was pretty dog on hot, which is to be expected too. The yeah, oh, that's what I wanted to say. I learned why Marvin Jones was looking for shade, hey, man. Three. Oh my <laughs> gosh. It was almost oppressive. It was so hot Saturday. Um, that sun was beating down on us. We went, we found some shade under a tree. <laughs> I was like, you can call me shade tree from now on too, man. I, I understand. <laughs> And it wasn't even summertime. It just felt like summertime. Just but a nice camping, but I like the that, it made us feel like home because, boy, around 4 o'clock, uh, the sun was down and the chill started to set in. I'm like, man, this is like Chicago. Yeah. Two seasons in one day. Yeah, it was a, just an overall nice atmosphere. I could dig that. I've been to you know, Tallahassee a couple of times. I've been to a Florida, <laughs> Florida State-Miami game before. As I was talking to one of the people who was out there, my last Florida State Miami game was when Kyle Wright was there, so that lets you know how far ago, how long ago that was. Either way, this was an excellent game. This was a lot better game than that game I saw back then. Miami lost that one on Labor Day night, so this one, excellent game, not the right result. If you're a Canes fan, we'll be back next year, of course. But the overall experience for us, excellent. Once again, to get a chance to chill for a moment, the day before the game, the day of the game. Walking to from the parking lot to the game, all of that, man. You know, seeing uh, Renegade Chief Osceola doing what they do out there. Now, all that pageantry that comes with it, watching the players get off the bus, that kind of thing. You know, yeah, nice, call nice it the legacy walk. Um, they have a DJ and the band. First, the band plays a song, then the DJ plays a song, and we got there late. I don't know how long that goes on. 
<laughs> uh, we were on the wrong side of the stadium by the tailgaters. But yeah. We got there right on time because it was maybe three or four songs and then the, the bus arrived, the buses arrived, and then the players did their walk. But um, being right there that close to the band, you know, when them, when them, uh, I don't know what, what um, instruments they are, the trombones or, you know, <laughs> the, when the horns go, man, the crowd erupts and, I mean, you feel it. You got the drums right there banging. Man, it was something. And those are true home field advantages. You know, that a lot goes into that home field advantage because I'll tell you what, the atmosphere was almost the same for when South Carolina played Florida for the game I went to just a couple of weeks ago in South Carolina. There's nothing at stake, and it still was pretty electric like this was. So, you know, that's that Southern thing, too. That's an SEC arena, and things are a little bit different with the SEC we play because, like they say, I think it means more. But this was still a hell of a damn environment to watch a game and get the result we did, a possible overtime game. It was possible, but it didn't happen. But Miami showed that they belong and showed that the process is still going. People just have to be patient. Even in this day and age of microwave success, you have to be good the next week. We've seen some of these coaches become casualties. We'll probably get around to that a little later as Jimbo Fisher is getting paid about $77 million not to coach as Texas A <laughs> is getting rid of him. And then Zach Arnett for Mississippi State, who took over for Mike Leach, who tragically passed away last year from a heart attack. He um, gets fired today. They just have to pay him $4 million. I guess they're glad it's not $77 million. You know, Mississippi State. So, if Jimbo if Jimbo gets hired somewhere else, do they still pay him that seventy-seven million? You know what? I don't even know how it is anymore because I thought before that if you went made a lateral move, I guess you, they still pay. You know, they don't have to pay you. But I don't know how it works out. But it looks like he's going to get his lump sum or get his sum over time or whenever it's coming. You know, because Willie Taggart is still getting paid. That's it's. Yeah, well, I mean, you talk it's about getting if you're the coach or the agent, that's a good business to be in. But another thing, those Texas boys will get you out of there if they want you out of there. And they do have the money to get you out of there. And yeah, Jimbo and there's, there's talk that Dion might go to Texas a and because he, he wants to be in the SEC. Like, after one season, oh, man, if he wow. does that. You know what? These Texas teams, if they want him, they can buy him out. They don't have any problem. If they're buying this clown out for $77 million, who's done absolutely nothing, even when he got that historic recruiting class not this past season, but the season before, and everybody was expecting a whole bunch, and nothing came became of it. That's why he's losing his job, Jimbo Fisher. He should have stayed at Florida State, but I think Florida yeah. State is happy with what they have right now with Mike. But if, if, if Dion goes to Texas A and M, man, he, I, I would consider him just like pimping himself. That's well, the highest bidder. The highest bidder, and that's what he's been doing. We will get to talk about him in a minute ourselves too, man, because Dion has some problems with his Colorado Buffaloes, not that they weren't expected. I think this is kind of what people could have expected if they were being realistic to begin with, losing this amount of games and probably winning that amount of games they have now, which is four. You know, I think they're not going to win any more this season. They won't become bowl eligible, but there's nothing wrong with that. They weren't bowl eligible last year, but they're better than they were last year. The trajectory seems to be on the right track, but along with that trajectory are things that are, um that come with it. You know, it is Deion Sanders, and we talk about him all the time as, as being who he is, you know, and how he's the Pied Piper. But Winston Watkins, one of the top receivers in the entire country, one of the guys who jumped on his bandwagon once he came to Colorado, has decommitted now. He doesn't want to go there and be with Coach Prime now. That's something to talk about because along with all of the Pied Piper um, rhetoric comes the nature of college football as it stands right now. Fickle kids. Really fickle or just being kids? Well, kids change their mind. And because you're Dion or anybody else, you look, people de decommitted from Nick Saban before. And this guy is the real Pied Piper who's established as a college coach. Dion's now going to get this, and I don't think this is going to be the last time. Oh, I just want to mention, uh, you know, they asked me at, at work, um, how was my weekend, blah, blah, and I – told him how it was and one guy he's a Michigan fan he's like you should have gone to the big house I said nah they asked me if I knew the other team's signals I couldn't go <laughs> yeah man yo bro gang side do something hey, try to hey, get your face that's what's going on but you know what but, no. ain't nothing, but hey I mean, come on 
But the, what, what is so special about Michigan other than it's a hundred thousand something? It's, it's a you know, there's there's no Chief Osceola's uh, no, nothing tradition. There's there's no war chant going on tomahawk chop. There's none of that going on. And that's what I went for. I want to experience that firsthand. If I if I go to Michigan, I just say, oh, I went to the big house. What happened? Oh, Michigan won. Yep, but this time, hey, they went to Penn State in front of another crowd of over 100,000, and they were able to beat Penn State. And I think even without Jim Harbaugh, there's something to be said about them, in my opinion, since the beginning of the season, arguably being number one. Ohio State had already beaten Penn State, but they were in the confines of the horseshoe. Now Michigan, with all the tumultuous nonsense going on, Jim Harbaugh not there possibly for the rest of the season, at least regular season, well, they still win without him. And now McCarthy is now a Heisman Trophy candidate. <clears throat> just based on, I don't even know based on numbers, maybe the other number like wins and losses. So he's there. I don't think he should win it. But, hey, Michigan showed up and Michigan beat Penn State. And that is a damn good Penn State team. If it had to the Wolverines and their coach, I don't even know his name, the guy that was crying. Um, you know, that that emotion he was showing shows he, he had to feel a lot of pressure. Like, man, yeah. just found out last night. And now the I, he might have to feel the, the weight of the world. If I lose this game, you know, it, is he going to get the blame or or what? But um, I think they ran the ball 32 straight times to end the game. That's that's just a big F you. Like, you can't stop us. You just run it, just run it, just run it. That's crazy to me. I, I've never heard of 32 straight running plays. And now Jim Harbaugh is saying that Michigan should be America's team now because of what's going on with him and how they're playing without without him. Come on, man, stop trying to write another write another narrative. No, and all these people saying they rush to judgment. Do do they know that Harbaugh knew about it? Again, it doesn't matter if he knew about it. Someone on his staff was doing shit he wasn't supposed to do, and that makes Harbaugh responsible. Like if he don't. If you don't teach your child your child right, your children correctly, they go out and do some dumb shit, you're responsible. Yeah, it's true. Regardless of if you told them to do it, you can teach them as well as you want. But when they go out and do them do it themselves, they screw up, it's coming back to you, especially if they're minors. It's coming back to you. And that's you what I mean. That's why I said problem. children. I'm not talking about a 22, 25-year-old. I'm talking about young kids. Yeah, and it comes back to you. And the lack of institutional control, it comes right. back to that. So I didn't want to say that. I probably said it three times last week, or like eight times over the since the story broke. Yeah, and now look at it. They're still winning. They're still winning, and the only thing that looks like they could stop them or at least give them competition is Ohio State, a game that we knew was going to happen anyway, and it's going to be at the big house this year. So at least they have that in their back pocket, being able to take on Ohio State because Ohio State has a lot to bring to the table, and Marvin Harrison Jr. I mean he's. What he does, it seems pedestrian compared to what he could do. He's averaging nearly a fifth of a freaking football field every time he touches the ball, you know, and he's getting his touchdowns. I think he has 10 touchdowns this season. And, um, you know, and Kyle McCord, he makes it easy for Kyle McCord, you know, being his first time starting and whatnot. But I think that Ohio State team is a, a formidable team. Those two teams, certainly even. I think this is one of those times where there won't be a blowout one way or the other. Take the freaking under, I guess, if you have these two teams get together. It's going to be a tough, tough time. And they're going to decide who's going to be one or even one or two, I believe, because now I got to think about Georgia again, who finally decided to blow out a team. I mean, Kentucky's not – you look at Kentucky, we know college basketball season's back, but Kentucky can play some football. Stoops is there. He had them playing good football for a few years now. But Georgia blew them out 52-17. to 17. They hadn't beaten anybody like that that's worth a damn all season. They finally do it. They get the points. They get um, Brock Bowers is back from his ankle injury. They have running the ball well. They, everything worked out click just in time because I needed a sign that they were still looking to really defend this title going for this 3 P, and that they really belonged in the mix with the other teams I've mentioned, Michigan and Ohio State. And now that we're looking at it, Bama, the team I thought had no shot, this team may have the best defense in the country, and now that Jalen Monroe is playing the way he's playing, man, they literally are back in the house and an SEC championship away from an opportunity at another national championship. Yeah, and when you consider Washington seems to struggle every week, if not every other week, and yeah. 
I had a, a game-winning drive, I think, this weekend against Utah. Um, and we saw Florida State firsthand. Um, they they look vulnerable, you know. The, yeah. They don't look like number four, number five teams in the nation. But they keep winning. So as long as they keep winning, that that's what matters most. But I think, and I think you agree with me, you maybe alluded to it earlier, when they play another top five team, it's probably not going to go well. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't. I wouldn't expect it to go well. Uh, if either one of them play Ohio State, Michigan, Georgia, maybe even Bama, I, I don't know that they'll get to play them. But if they did. They probably lose. Yeah, that Bama team is looking so much different now. I didn't think that Jalen Monroe would look this good. And I'm talking about looking good, not necessarily having to throw the ball and read defenses all the time, but what Nick Saban has done for him putting him in position to really succeed. This is Nick Saban's, in my opinion, best coaching job since he's been at Alabama to make this player, who I thought was just a running back doing halfback options, into a legitimate quarterback, knowing that he can run the ball because he's that good of an athlete, that great of a runner, but then concentrating on his passing to do just enough to make things a pain in the ass for any team that decides to deal with him. He comes after you with that aggression. He could run you over as a quarterback. But now he can read those defenses and get that intermediate pass. And we already know, based on his average put pass with, with a touchdown over, what, 19 yards, 20 yards, that the big plays just a moment away from him as well. Right. Yeah, Bama's really been rolling the last few weeks, and that defense has stepped it up. Um, you know, they were losing against Tennessee, but the defense didn't allow them to score again, and the offense got it together. And since that Tennessee game, they've been rolling. Yeah, and, you know, incidentally, um, Georgia played against Ole Miss. And I remember somebody at the game we were at was next to me. He was like, Ole Miss is going to upset them. And I think he's saying it as a Florida State fan because it gives them a little bit of, you know, a little bit of something to think about. That if Mississippi, I'm going back to the Georgia game. If Mississippi was going to upset um, Georgia because I think he was looking for Alabama or whatever, you know, to do They're something. They're looking for hope. Yeah, exactly. That's That's what they do. And I was like, bro, they're not going to upset him. You know? And then Georgia goes out and destroys Ole Miss the way they did. But Alabama kills Kentucky the way they did. But I tell you what, with all the football going on in the SEC and everywhere in the country, you know, before the week weekend, we kind of pointed to certain games we wanted to see. We specifically pointed to the game we were at because we were looking forward to that game for quite some time. But the LSU-Florida game has to be spoken about. LSU beat Florida, Florida 52-35, to 35, but it's not even the score. It's what a guy I talked about uh, before the season started, Jaden Daniels, a guy who I've man, a guy who I've labeled as a fraud. I know the tribesmen out there. You're talking about him because he's a black quarterback. I've heard the tribesmen before, but Jaden Daniels, I thought Garrett Nussmeyer would be quarterback in LSU by now. No way, that guy has, won't sniff a day on the football field if Jaden uh, is going to just leave the school or is taking a rest. Jaden Daniels was phenomenal this past week, and his numbers proved how phenomenal he was, setting an SEC record 606 yards in total yardage, which included an 85-yard touchdown. I mean, he ran for 234 yards, and then he passed for 272 yards. Florida couldn't do anything about it. This guy was a one-man show. The most yards I've seen in the past was obviously, if you watch SEC football, was Rohan Davey years ago with LSU. He had 500 and change, but no one doing it like this was done the other day with um, Jaden Daniels. Credit to him, and even more credit because it was the Gators on the receiving end. <laughs> yes, yeah, that, yes. That's incredible, man. Um, speaking of Gators, I saw like two or three people with Gator shirts at the game. Yeah. One guy walked past him. I was like, hey, my man, you at the wrong game. We started laughing. He's like, I know, man. We got him in a couple weeks, though. He dabbed me up. He scouted like, too? He, he said, he said, he dabbed me up saying, good, good win tonight, man. Enjoy it. I'm like, man, I'm not even a Florida State fan, bro. <laughs> Got a bunch of misfits <laughs> in the stadium, man. <laughs> Dude's dope. No, I wasn't there with my Nebraska jersey. Yeah, yeah the guy in front of me was a, a, a Gator fan. He just said, oh, bro, I went to sleep last night. I just ended up here, bro. And then he's just, he was antagonizing the entire time. Even when Miami, he was, he was a Gator fan rooting for Miami only because it made Florida State fans upset. And that's the way you should do troll, it. Troll, a live troll. Absolute troll. He was, he was doing a good job at it, man. He's one of those guys you just can't win the argument because 
He just can't win the argument. He's never going to acquiesce. He'll just keep saying or yelling and talking over you. But what Jaden Daniels did against the Gators, yo, certainly something to, to talk about. And 701 yards the Gators had given up. That, that, I think that's the most they've given up in their history. It should be. I don't know too many teams giving up 700 yards in the SEC at all, including Vanderbilt. Yeah, that was a, an amazing performance, man. Um, I missed it. You know, we were at, at our game or the tailgate. And yeah. Back at the hotel room, we had some bootleg channels. <laughs> bro, you could have bought Rockefeller sent this tree up in there, though, with those high ceilings. Bro. Man, even, even, if I had, even if I had brought my fire stick, uh, <laughs> there was no HDMI connection. I'm like, damn, how old is this TV, man? <laughs> I mean, the room was cool. You were there. You saw it. Yeah. Have the loft, you know, and all that, and the balcony, but it was cool. The amenities, man, come on, you gotta step up your game. You got, you gotta have a TV with HDMI, man. Well, yo, that that concludes our college experience. I mean, games going on while we were at that game, but hey, if you caught a couple of highlights after you got back home, or just caught some highlights on YouTube, you got a chance to see a lot of these other teams while we were at Dope Campbell Stadium. On Saturday, watching those K's trying to do it against Florida State. Couldn't do it this time, maybe next year. But then there was tomorrow. And from that day, that's Sunday. And then when it's Sunday, it's continued football because it started last Thursday. Well, a lot being said about football this time because a guy, another guy, and the tribesmen were after me back then. CJ Shroud is going to be a bust. I wonder who said that. But, anyways, look at him now. We're talking about just giving the book of the year award right now. Forget rookie of the year. This dude might end up in the NFL player of the year conversation. At least he needs to be there. I mean, for him to get the dub against Joe Cool yesterday, man, that speaks volumes as to yes. the, the level he's playing at right now. Um, to outdo out Joe Cool, um, they were up on them, and the Bengals tried coming back, and CJ Stroud's like, nah, bro, I got this. We're just going to march down a little bit. Kick this field goal. Walk out of here with the dub. I mean, they weren't even at home. They went to Cincinnati. Cincinnati. The and the Bengals been on the road. Joe Cool's been healthy. Been balling, throwing all kind of numbers. Uh, touchdown passes to Higgins, to Chase. Mixon's been running the ball. And the Texans come out with the dub. Man. Man we, and we've talked about it for weeks now. How Joe Cool was coming back, and we was like, when he gets off an injury, especially, you know, get that bye week, get himself together. He came back after the bye week, showed that he was back, putting up the numbers. Then he comes here. He started off slow, but he started getting it back. But, man, he was outshined. Even though he had a better quarterback rating, he got outshined by the rookie. And I'm hoping this isn't a one-off. I can't see how it can be a one-off. I know coaches are going to get filmed, and they're going to look at his weaknesses and look at his strengths and try to keep those to a minimum. But, man, on this week-to-week thing right now, he's so far ahead of the curve. I'll tell you what, though. C.J. Stroud has – he's got to have immense confidence, man. He's got the right makeup to succeed in the league. He threw a pick six and then got got the Bengals back in the game. And he still drove them down the game. If there was a game where he's going to fall flat on his face, it was yesterday because he threw the pick six. And you yeah. expect things to kind of snowball Young kid. in favor of the Bengals after that. But he didn't allow it. He's like, nope, we're going to go down and kick this field goal. He drove him down, got the field goal. I mean, you just don't see that from rookie quarterbacks. No. Just throw that that bad pass away. All right, I'm the bad pass. Let's go. We're moving on. He's like a, a closer. Closer in that aspect. Yes, yes. Closer so blows one game Monday night, comes out Tuesday. I forget about it. Whistle. One, two, three. Yeah. Back at it. Yeah, and being here in Jacksonville, being in the AMC South area because of the Jaguars, we get to see him twice a year, not here in Jacksonville, but just playing the Jags, whether on television or if you go down to the stadium. And I'll get a chance, as I guess, if he could stay healthy, get a chance to watch this guy for his entire career coming to Jacksonville or watching him on television. I hope it's not a blip on the radar because I remember Rick Meyer was pretty damn good in his freaking rookie year. And well, not like this. I don't think anybody was like this. Dan Marino wasn't like this. Bro, <laughs> this dude was doing it, man. Like Dan. In fact, he's better than Dan now. And it's not even that he's he's playing well. No, it's not that he had the five touchdowns. 
is that he had 40 seconds and he had to drive him down to get his fifth touchdown and the victory with no timeouts. You know, rookies just don't do that, man. And then again yesterday, another last-minute drive. Rookies just don't do that, back-to-back weeks. So to me, it's not about the numbers. You know, I've said this before. Don't tell me what you did. Tell me when you did it. And this guy's doing it in the last minute of games. The conversation over. Yeah, he's doing it exactly because, like, yeah, the numbers couldn't be a bit inflated if you looked at some numbers. But looking at the games he's been in, and even when you look at the five touchdown games, you see what he had done to get to that point in a game like this where you just have a touchdown and the interception. But you see what he's done between the lines, and they still got the W, and it's because of him. It wasn't like some flukish play that came along and they ended up winning, and he just happened to be on the team. He's being the reason why they win. And we've seen enough teams in the NFL with their quarterbacks, as we've had 11 rookie quarterbacks start at one point or another this season, that can't move the ball. We have third-year quarterbacks named Zach Wilson who can't move the ball. And we see this. So this guy comes in as a rookie. They have video on him from week to week because he's making his own history every time he goes out there. They'll have more video and time to look after him during the offseason and come back with something even tougher next year. But right now, as it is, as it stands, this they can't do nothing with him. They can't do a damn thing with him. And look what happened with Baltimore and the Browns yesterday. The the Ravens were in, in full control. Yep. Um, then the Browns started to try and creep back in it. They get the tip ball, the pick six, and then – you figure, well, Lamar Jackson says they've been able to move the ball all game. Go down, get another score, put the game away. No, three and out, punt. Now the Bengals go down. Uh, Bengals, Browns. That's how they lost. The, the Ravens couldn't get it going again. So that's why I think it's so impressive what Stroud did. He put that interception behind him, and he still got the job done. Lamar Jackson playing at a high level. He didn't, he didn't even his pass wasn't even as bad as as Stroud's pass. His was tipped, and then a DB took it to the house. You know, it's not like he cut undercut it like Stroud's pass. And so, if anybody was gonna disregard the pass, it should have been Lamar Jackson, because he didn't throw a bad pass. It just got tipped. Man. <laughs> You know, and, and that's another thing. I think statistically they should do something about that in the NFL when a player has a pass that's tipped that probably would have been completed. There's no fault of the quarterback other than throwing the ball itself. Come on, man. They need to have some type of a notation that says that this pass was, you know, it's not necessarily an interception. I don't know how they'll probably put it there, but they need to say something different about yeah, that. But then you, you would need a score like in baseball. Was that a hit or an error? The analytics, because, man. Because, because then – is it the quarterback's fault that he got strip sacked from the blind side? He had no idea he was coming. Well, let's put that on the lineman. You know what? You, well, that, who's going to decide when that's, when, that's when it falls on the quarterback or it falls on the lineman? That's more of a natural occurrence, though, of, a, of someone gets after the quarterback. I'm just saying the quarterback gets charged with a fumble. But how's he supposed to protect the ball? He's going back to pass and he gets stripped. Better have his head on Where, the Where did that guy come from? <laughs> But, you know, Deshaun Watson started off slow in this game as well, and he came back and was able to help win this game because I was looking at this as, uh-oh, I think Deshaun Watson, I don't know what to think about him going at least until the end. You don't know what to think about him because he hasn't had anything that was really going well this year between the injuries and when he was out there, he was looking pretty, well, not good and not definitely not justifying the big contract he had just gotten. But then when it was time to get it done against a rival like the Baltimore Ravens in Baltimore of all places, well, he pulls it off. The team pulls it off. And this is without Nick Chubb. Yeah. He, you know, we were traveling. My son was watching on his phone. He's a phone, so I couldn't really keep an eye on it. So I don't know exactly what happened. I just – I know he threw that pick six, and from there they couldn't move the ball. Um, it's crazy because the Ravens' defense has been pretty dominant this year. Uh, yep. Consider probably the best defense in the league, and for them to give up that lead like that—that uh, that, that's got to be very frustrating. Well, we talk about great defenses. Well, we got to go back to our great defensive team from the beginning. 49ers are back. We got 49ers are back, and I don't think it's just saying it for the hell of it. I think it's legitimate. I watched that game 
here in Jacksonville yesterday, where it felt more like San Francisco, a little chilly out there, damp, just like it would be in San Francisco. No home field advantage for the Jaguars, in my opinion, because other than a, a three-hour time difference, San Francisco felt at home, and by the end of the game, it was their home. Like Jeff Fisher used to say about the Tennessee Titans when he was here, Jacksonville got home away from home. For right now, it seems like that way for the 49ers, as Purdy looked like he's back on track, and I think it has a lot to do. Debo Samuel's back. We saw that McCaffrey had his record snapped or had his streak snapped of 18 straight games with a touchdown, but he'll take the win, I'm sure. And everything, George Kittle making his big play, walked into the end zone, and then – the defense, this is what people are looking for. If you're a 49ers fan or someone who paid attention to the trade that was made with Chase Young coming to the 49ers, former teammates with Nick Boza meeting at the quarterback as they did, getting the strip sack against Trevor Lawrence as they did, and winning the game in blowout fashion pretty damn easily. It was just an embarrassment of riches out there once again. The offense is able to move. I still think Brock Purdy, yes, Brock Purdy is that good of their quarterback. But like any other quarterback missing their weapons, he had his his problems. I mean, if you take Joe, if you take uh, what even if it was Dwight Clark, or you take Jerry Rice off the teams that Joe Montana have, I mean, he's not having such a great time either. Brent Jones, Tom Rathman, all those guys he could throw to. Take some of those guys off and see how well things go. Yeah, so we were at the bar at the airport, and of course Jacksonville being the home team or you know their Florida team, they had the 49ers came on. Yeah. And what I saw was Lawrence getting sacked like every every third or fourth play, yeah. man. They were in the backfield until until we had to board our plane. I think we were almost at halftime, but they they must have had three sacks by that time. Man, it was all over him. And I'll tell you what, another thing, this is probably a year in which Lawrence has regressed. I was expecting a lot more. We're now this deep into the season. And this guy's coming off of a bye week. You think you'll get a little bit more extra preparation. You got your body, your body hooked up a little bit. And you're still throwing 185 yards, two picks this time, no touchdowns. Man, you haven't done much of anything this year in terms of that potency we're looking forward to with Doug Peterson being as great as he is with quarterbacks and with offenses. And it's, we're, we're expecting something completely different this year in terms of the offense. And Trevor Lawrence takes steps back. The numbers prove it. And I know this is what we said earlier about the numbers don't necessarily show everything, but the numbers are showing exactly how he's playing. I, I'm still blown away by how much they've won and the points they've scored without him having that 300-plus-yard game with the four touchdowns like a tour or even three touchdowns. Yeah, he's having a down year. Uh, every time I see the scores on Sunday, I see, what, like they went 33-17. I'm like, Lawrence must have had a decent game. Then check the stats. He's like 14 for 7 for 19, uh, 192 yards, no touchdowns. Like well, how the heck are they moving the ball? Travis Etienne, <laughs> sick as hell. Getting the right. ball in the backfield. But it, the it's backfield. not like he's running for 150 yards either. But he's getting combined at least. He's getting a, a combined 150 yards or so, or even better than that at times. And then they still have um, uh, Evan Ingram, Ingram, a tight end, and a Christian Kirk starting to wake up. And Calvin really just absolutely went on the milk carton over the past several games. Go to aisle 10, find him. This guy hasn't been in the field. He's been lost. Yeah, I don't know what's going on down there. Um, like I said, I only got to watch uh, maybe uh, to about five minutes left in the, in the second quarter. So I, I don't know everything that was going on down there. But it just looked like the 49ers were wreaking havoc in the backfield yesterday. Oh. And now with Chase Young and Nick Bosa familiar with one another, playing at Ohio State as they have, man, that, other teams are going to have issues. The Jaguars are supposed to be one of the better teams. Now they're going to go to their own division, playing teams like Seattle, which isn't that great, you know, playing teams like the Cardinals, which we already know aren't that great. And Kyler Murray's back now running – well, trying to run. He just – Who they beat yesterday? They won, right? Yeah, they won yesterday. No, he was able to pull it off yesterday, so he came back for that bad um, – his ACL. Who did they beat? The first time they played yesterday, they played against the Falcons. Not a good team. Had their own quarterback issues. Noah Ritter and um and Heineke uh, uh, having their issues. But both of them, Heineke got hurt. Ritter had to come back in. He was out for a reason because he wasn't that good. So you got another issue there. B. John Robinson, they give him the load. He's not going to get it done just running the ball. And, you know, Kyler Murray 
does have fast feet. He makes decent decisions sometimes, but also Atlanta isn't that good this year so far. So we have to look at that as well. Cardinals have been terrible. Yeah, absolutely. Upset. I had them on the clock, though. I had um, the Arizona on the clock before the season started. So I don't know if that's changed a little bit, but we'll figure out. What's their record? Huh? What's their record? With uh, Carolina, um, Arizona, I think they have two losses. Oh, two two losses. They have two. And the Bears Bears are on the clock. They got the Panthers picked. (laughs) Either way. Oh, yeah, the Panthers. Oh, God. What another. Whew, I see why all these rookies are getting a chance to play this year, man. You got these bad vets out there that just get the job done. And then speaking of bad vets who can't get the job done, even though he's only his third year, my main dog that I wish the Jets had gotten, Mac freaking Jones, benched again. You already know the writing's on the wall. You've been hearing the rumors now about the same contract Bill Belichick just signed as an extension. <laughs> Robert Kraft might just say, go, go to hell anyway, after all. And he benches Mac Jones. Puts Billy Zappi in again, and well, they still lose. Same result. Yeah, I don't think it made a difference, but that interception he threw to the in the red zone, that guy was open, had his man beat by like two yards, and he underthrew him by like eight yards. Yeah. Uh, that was just a terrible pass. I don't know what he was trying to do there. Um, and then he's getting bitched out on the sideline. He deserved it after that pass. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I don't know. Probably, you know, he's a Jacksonville guy. Like I keep saying, I watched this guy play as a high school guy. I, mean, I have a bit of an affinity for our local guys who end up getting to that freaking paramount point in life playing in the NFL. And even when they're doing poorly, I'm like, God, dog, I see it, man. But damn, it's like a little kid. You don't want to see him do badly, man. But he's getting, he, he's gone. He's not going to be in New England long. And I, no one's going to trade for my doubt. I wish the Jets would have gotten him anyway. I would have taken him the way he is right now. And it's an improvement over what we have with Zach Wilson. Who's just oh god, it always comes back to Zach Wilson when it comes to us. <laughs> but anyway, hey. someone uh, on the morning show says um the Chargers should hire Belichick. And I'm like, why? He's not a good coach. His 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 record without Brady is well under five hundred. But he's well under <laughs> it's not yeah. like it's forty and forty two. I, I mean it I don't know what it is exactly. I saw the number, I forget, but it wasn't even close. Like he's like eighteen games under five hundred without Brady. <laughs> I, you know, I remember years ago when he was with Bill Parcells and he ended up getting that Jets job for twenty four hours before he eventually went to New England. But even before that, at Cleveland, now remember when he was at Cleveland, he actually came to Alabama State University at one point to check out a kid that we had named Paul Ashby. So he came out. He came, that's my first time seeing him in person on campus. At least I saw him at training camps. They were growing up. But anyways. I don't know. I've always thought he was a great defensive guy. Now, as far as him getting the credit that he gets, and I even said he's probably the greatest coach of all time because I'm looking at statistics. I'm looking at championships. But then Brady leaves, gets a championship, and Bill Belichick probably doesn't even watch the Super Bowl anymore because he's not involved. So, yeah, there may be something. But when he was was at the podium a few years ago um, when it was deflate gate trying to give a science lesson. Who are you to give a science lesson how the ball <laughs> bands and contracts in, in different climates? Man, fuck out of here, dude. He's a YouTube genius. He had to go in there and find this stuff out. <laughs> but either way, I mean, I don't think that Mac Jones is going to be with the Patriots much longer. And probably a time for those two to separate and go their own ways and see a fresh start with Mac Jones, depending on where the hell he goes. I think he has the ability to be a solid quarterback. He hasn't even been a solid quarterback since his rookie year. And with this, what else is going to happen in, in New England anyways? I mean, I, they have two wins. <laughs> and Bill Belichick is at the head of it. And how long will he continue to do that? How long will Bob Kraft and those whiners in the New England, New England area going to put up with that? It'll be just a matter of time before, you know what, Kraft eats that contract that he just gave him and sends him on his merry way. And then, obviously, um. Mac Jones is going as well. And I was going to mention about, you know, Detroit already said that 72 after beating the Chargers 41 to 38. <laughs> the freaking Detroit Lions. Uh, never would have saw that. But you know what? I saw someone talk about how they may have the best running back duo in the NFL between Montgomery and Gibbs. They may have something. There might be something to it. Those guys can run their asses off. You, you get the best yeah. of both worlds. Catching out of the backfield, running right in the middle. 
That could be accurate. But yeah. um, I just want to mention Jordan Love ended the game with an interception yesterday and <laughs> for the Fudge Packers. Um, yeah. Luck in the draft, guys. <laughs> you know, I, I don't think I don't think anyone really believed that Jordan Love would be a, a continuation of what Brett Favre was and where Aaron Rodgers was. I don't think anyone really believed it. I think they did what they thought they needed to do, take the best athlete available for what they needed as a position, you know, and they thought they could put him in a good position to where he could sit on the bench, which he did under Aaron Rodgers, a legendary quarterback, got us some valuable information on how to prepare for games, how to be around a quarterback of that stature, and then go out there and still play the games. Is this just his experience and the ups and downs that come with it, the hard knocks that come with being a rookie or pretty much a rookie starter? And then next year, might you might start seeing the improvement or seeing him do something because Brett Favre was the same kind of guy. He used to throw picks all the time. And Rodgers, when he got his chance, but it was after time, started throwing things and looking well while he was doing it because he had that time that the old school quarterbacks used to have, like uh, Steve Young when, sitting behind Joe Montana. I thought you were playing the, the, uh, a track or something. I heard a noise. Oh, no. Nah. I got my steel fan tripping. Now we're getting the beat beat. No, no, no. Bro, I'm not even <laughs> going to bother those Jets, man, after what happened last night. Come Are we on. Done huh? We done with football? Yeah, done with football. I was going to wonder what you're going to bring with basketball. I know. James Harden. Junior. James Harden, Junior. Jordan Poole. <laughs> yeah, Jordan Poole. <laughs> Yo, to each his own, man, but watching porn in the locker room? Bro, come on now. What you doing at home on your own time? But that's your business, man. But don't bring your home life to the locker room. What's wrong with you, man? Well, who Dude. told him? That's what I want I don't to know. know. <laughs> Somebody in the team doesn't like you. Brian Williamson, probably. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, man, look at you. No, I, I don't know, man. I, I'm just saying. Uh, so, obviously, we know who the problem was in Golden State last year. Well, we do know. We actually do, absolutely do know. And I'll tell you another thing, man, in terms of just teams, watching teams this year, man, what's up with those freaking Houston Rockets, man? I know Jamal Murray's down for Denver, but damn, they beat freaking Denver, man. When Jokic yeah. cleaned up on the boards, got his points, got his assists, freaking it's Houston, man. These dudes is up there right now, these young guys. I think the Lakers got them last night, though. Oh, yeah, but, I mean, they've been on their run. They've been on their run. Now, matter of fact, did they beat the Lakers the other day? Do they play them twice? I don't know. I don't know if they played them twice. But I thought they Lakers. I thought they beat the Lakers. Pretty sure they played them. They lost to them last night. Yeah, they did lose to them last night. But they're still the Houston Rockets. This is a team that was like, you know, okay, we just say that they. You know, they got a, a lot of young talent, and there's gonna be nights where they're gonna look like young players. There's gonna be nights where all that talent is gonna click. Yeah, they've clicked more often than not so far this season. This season's still old. I'm still young, and these young players are still going to have that chemistry that they have to build, and they've been doing it. But, I mean, I'm pretty excited for these guys because, I was like, you know, I'm talking about the better teams that are young, and OKC continues to be that team. And then I looked at the Orlando Magic, who actually beat the Lakers as well, you know, over the past couple of days. So, and they're, you know, getting after it. But so many nice young teams. I'm looking for Detroit to do something, another young team. And the Cavs beat the Warriors twice. Yeah, yeah, right? off to a decent start, but I think they're five and four now. I think the deficiencies are showing up. Someone showed him a stat on Clay Thompson today, and all the numbers that look just terrible, man. Like the past five games, I think he just—I mean, his numbers are just—he gets some solid-looking numbers, but the way he had gotten it, you know, like four for like eight or four for not four for eight, like four for like fifteen or something like that. You know, he's not looking good. So I wonder. I mean, Obviously, he's such a big part of that team that it's going to be an issue. If he can't get his game off, you're not going to just rely on Steph Curry. But you still need the big man, which they decided not to go after. Yeah, they don't really have a big man. But the problem with Clay is, you know, he's a limited ball handler. And if his shot's not falling, if he's got to put it on the floor, he's going to struggle. Well, and the team is struggling now, too, because now – and even though Steph is getting his points and you know how he is with the handle, you would think that they could hold hold the fort, but they, they, they need that missing link. That's what made them who they were to begin with. You know, when they had yes. all those guys working. 
I said it dur- during the offseason. Training for Chris Paul made no sense. And I guess they're replacing Jordan Poole with Chris Paul. That's an upgrade. But that wasn't why they lost in the playoffs. They didn't have enough size. Going no against the Lakers, they got killed on the boards. They had no answer for AD, who's inconsistent, but still outplayed Loon. Um, which he should should dominate Loon. Man, I, I mean, I we t- we're talking about um the big men that were available for them, and they didn't go after that. Bull Bull was the guy I thought would have been nice for them. He's, I mean, not just because he's a big dude, but he actually is a skillful big guy. Mm-hmm. You know, he goes after the boards too. He's not. Scared. He looks frail, but he looks he probably stronger than he looks. But they just I don't know what they're thinking of. It's the GM. Yeah, what, one of the plays they used to have a lot of success on was having p- the big man pick for, for Steph. Steph draws the attention. He throws the alley-oop to the big man. They've been missing that. You need easy baskets once in a while. Everything yeah. can't be a catch-and-shoot three-pointer. Steph running around five screens. Take Jack up a three. You can't do that on every possession. You got to get some easy ones. Now, as far as overall basketball, we see that there's injuries in Denver now with Jamal Murray out. And Dallas is, hell, Luke is leading the way with Dallas and doing well. And his his turnovers have gone down a bit. And then a lot of these young teams, like OKC, like Orlando, now we're seeing Houston playing the way they're playing. Sacramento, not surprising anyone this year, but they're not surprising anyone at all right now the way they've been playing. And then San Antonio, they have their ups, they have their downs, they have this Wimby lookout. You know what I mean? This Wimby lookout, I think it's a 10-day Wimby lookout they had. They showed a bit of it today. I mean, he's doing what he can, and he's going to get the wins on occasion. He's going to get the losses probably more often than not in the early going. But you can see the raw talent there. Just going down the list, Boston still seems like the odds-on favorite once the, when everybody's healthy and everybody just kind of contributes. The, the Miami Heat, I, I don't know what to think about them. I mean, they're good as <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, uh, because until Philly does it in the playoffs, they could have the number one seed. I'm still not going to believe it until they actually do it. But speaking of Philly, um, I, I don't know. Some people may con- may consider me going too hard at Harden, calling him a piece of shit. But <laughs> Philly's, undefeated. Philly's undefeated since the trade, and the Clippers haven't won a game since the trade. So there you go. You know what? I heard people today saying, well, Stu, it's chemistry. You got to let him get into the team first. No, that's the reason why they're losing. He's on the team. The hell are you talking about? <laughs> You're going to break him out of here. And how about the freaking Memphis Grizzlies? The Grizzlies aren't a John Morant away from being a significant team again. There's a lot more issues with that team. I don't know what they are. Desmond Bain got his money. He's trying to justify it. You see him putting up the numbers. But the wins aren't coming the way you would expect, even without John last season or the season before. They were winning until when he came back. They started losing until he kind of got back into his groove. But now he's out, and no one's doing anything. I don't think they really expected Derrick Rose to come in and contribute. They looked at him more as a mentor, kind of like a hands-off mentor, because he's not a babysitter. So now this Grizzlies team, I think they're out of the – even when he comes back, I don't think anything changes. And Adams keep, in is mind, keep in mind they lost Dylan Brooks in the offseason, yeah. and Steven Adams is out for the season. Yeah, he's out for the year. Oh. And with John Moran out, that's 40% of your starting lineup. And then with Brooks being gone, that's one of your high-energy guys. You know, he's he was their Marcus Smart. Yeah, but I'm saying that they're, they're not, not a John Marcus Smart. <laughs> <laughs> they're, not a John, they're not a John Moran away from being no. successful this season. So when he comes back, I don't think anything changes a whole lot. I don't know if they go to the playoffs sure. this year. Sure, they'll be better, but again, you're missing your starting center. Yeah, you're missing your starting he's, center. He's the anchor of that defense. Uh, when he's in the paint, you don't get too many rebounds. That dude, you can't move him. He's so strong. Yeah. Uh, you know, he clogs up the lane. He, he might change a shot or two, but when you got that anchor back there, I, I, I know Golden State wishes they had him. <laughs> Golden State wishes they had him. Well, I can't even say they wish it because they had a chance and they didn't do it <laughs> for anybody. Even Mo Bamba, <laughs> the guy who does absolutely nothing everywhere he's been. He's a That's body. He's a big, strong body, man. Just, his game just isn't up to par. I mean, I wouldn't call it's him. Quality, 
Don't even don't know what he's doing over there. I, man, I wonder how come I'm look, I'm not even gonna act like I'm a basketball GM, but how can things that seem so obvious not be as obvious to these guys who supposedly know better? Play the game in the locker room, about, they know this. How about this? Instead of training for CP3, they may have, have to had to give up a little more, but trade for Aiden. You know what? That's that's true. Trade for Aiden. He was he was involved in that trade. Don't say, trade a guard for a guard when you need a big man. Trade for Aiden. He's not he's not Giannis. He's not Embiid or or, or Jokic, but he's somebody with the active body. Somebody you can throw the alley oop to. I was yep. talking about. Somebody's gonna block shots. Someone who could at least slow down other big men. But hey, I don't know. Uh, I'm not a GM. Maybe it doesn't make sense. I don't man, sometimes you can say, yo, I'm not a GM, man, but <laughs> God, you can just say these things and just sounds better than what they're doing. It's not fantasy basketball. You can't just do – Yeah, but there was a trade he was involved in when they got CP3 exactly. in that same trade. Was, the NBA is different than the NFL. You got to match contracts and all that kind of stuff too. But, man, it just – Blows my mind how it, some things are so glaring and it just doesn't get done by the people who should know this in their sleep. But anyway, that's going to close it for here tonight, man, because, well, tomorrow we'll get a chance to talk about what's going on on Monday Night Football tonight. <laughs> oh, yeah. I forgot who's playing tonight. It doesn't even matter. Anymore. Yeah, I, I'm out of the loop, man. It was all Florida State, Miami this weekend. Yeah. I haven't had a chance to catch up. Well, Denver's heading to Buffalo tonight, so are we going to get another 70-point spiel? I doubt it. Denver's got a little better, a little better, even though they're coming over to the East Coast from their Mountain West time. Uh, but you said you said that, and that makes me think, I think I'll just unpack. <laughs> yeah, that's probably true. Cause Josh I, got home, like, I got home late last night, man. But late enough where I was, I was like, hey, I'll unpack tomorrow. <clears throat> so we'll wait around for that game if it comes on, if it doesn't, but we'll talk about it tomorrow and nevertheless. And there's other things going on in the sports world. More basketball getting played tonight. College basketball is an absolute full swing as well. And I know there's more college football. This Jim Harbaugh thing is not going away. It's only getting better. In other words, worse for him. So, But it looks like it might, might be better for you being a Chicago Bears fan with him possibly hanging in the balance and possibly coming back to the NFL. It may just happen. <clears throat> he can come to the NFL and steal all the signs he wants. Yeah, still sign, do all those other crazy things like uh, still sign, deflate balls, the whole nine. He'll get away <laughs> with it. Anyway. Hack the opposing team's communications. <laughs> man, man. Uh, hey, man, you know what? They get paid a lot more to do it over there on that level than it would yeah. in college anyhow. You know what I mean? I think he might need to find another Marine because I think there's some um, Stallion Connor is a former Marine. So he went on a mission on this one, and mission accomplished, but with a lot of mess. It can't get messy in the swamp. Anyway, signing out on today's episode, I'm Trav. He's biased. We're back from Tallahassee, but we're now back in our respective corners and ready to come out tomorrow with some more sports talk, depending on what's going on. Until then, deuces. Peace.